Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined by Colin Haas Hill. And, you know, last week here on the show, we kind of put a bow on the 2020 season, wrapped that up, and you know, now we're going to start looking ahead to 2021. And you know, this past week was a big week in terms of kind of finding out what Ohio State's 2021 roster was going to look like because the NFL draft declaration deadline was on Monday. And uh, with that, you know, over the past few days came some uh, good news and some bad news for the Buckeyes. Uh, the Buckeyes will be losing five players to early NFL draft entry. Uh, most of those are not surprising. Justin Fields, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, Sean Wade. I think we expected all four of those guys to go. But one that came as a little bit of a surprise to me was uh, Tommy Togiai, who uh, I don't question it because I think he's going to be a second or third round pick in the draft. So I totally understand uh, why he is going pro uh, just thought that he might come back for one more year since he had only been uh, a one year starter and uh, was only a true junior. But I think outside of that, uh, in terms of a guy's leaving, no real surprises there. No, I think that there were, I mean, there were the two names that, well, there are a few names, but you know, the one that got the most headlines is I think the guy that, that we can start with, um, which is Chris Olave, because, you know, Chris Olave is a guy that I sort of just assumed dating back to the Clemson game last year um, when things didn't go his way at the end of that game. And that led to that interception that, you know, he would play one more. And if it ends with getting revenge on Clemson, and if, if it goes the way that he hopes, then he'd, off to the NFL and, and nothing that I had seen from, you know, NFL draft analysts or people who were mocking him in the late first round led me to suggest that he would come back because I did wonder, like, what is there to benefit? Like, if you're going to go be a first round pick and, and potentially uh, become a multimillionaire um, and leave at the same time that, that Justin Fields does, why not do that? And I think that was a legitimate surprise that that was a shock. And I think that 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 is the kind of move that, you know, that can that can alter the what, what we expect from this offense and, and what this what we think that, that this offense can do, because, I mean, he's an all-American candidate. He's he's the kind of guy that that we that you expect to leave the J.K. Dobbins, the, the, the kind of guy who it makes a lot of sense to leave. Um, and this is just free money. Yeah, in terms of you know good or bad news, guys coming back, guys leaving, I definitely agree. I think that was the biggest surprise of the weekend was uh, Chris Olave making the decision to stay at Ohio State for another year because I, I had you know long assumed this would be his final year at Ohio State. I thought he was going to be a first round NFL draft pick, so uh, this definitely comes uh, as a bit of a surprise that he made this move, but. You know, Ohio State's going to be absolutely loaded at wide receiver next year. They're bringing everybody back, and they're bringing Jeremy Rucker back at tight end too. So, you know, when you look at this receiving core that Ohio State's going to have next year, uh, they're going to have a new quarterback, and that's going to be the big question of the offseason, and then we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. But when you just think about who that new quarterback is going to be throwing to, I mean, if you, if you ask me, this is going to be the best receiving core in all of college football. I mean, this is what this is what you dream up for a new quarterback. I mean, there's you literally couldn't possibly walk into a situation better than this. 
You have the guy, you have the safety blanket and Jeremy Ruckert. You have the guy down the field and Chris Olave. You have Garrett Wilson doing Garrett Wilson things. You have like 25 other really good wide receivers. You're bringing in a five-star uh, running back to go along with five other guys in that room. I, there's just, there's so many weapons. And the one major question mark is who's going to be that quarterback. But but w- when you have this many weapons around a guy, it makes you wonder, one, I mean, the, the natural question, which is one that everybody's asked is like, how good are these guys behind the scenes that make people want to come back? And two, you know, how, how good is this guy going to need to be like, like the, this, I think Chris Olave coming back, Jeremy Ruck coming back, the floor of this offense is, is so much higher than it could have been. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, cause you know, we've talked about him before on the show. I know we both agree on this, but I think Jeremy Rucker coming back is huge for Ohio state too. Cause you know, I, I believe Jeremy Rucker would have been a day two draft pick if he had declared for the draft. And I think he's one of the best tight ends in the country. And no, I don't think he's going to get 60 catches next year because Ohio State just doesn't use the tight ends in that way, especially if all the talent it has at wide receiver. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to project that Jeremy Rucker's going to suddenly put up huge numbers next year. But I think when you look at everything he does as both a receiver and as a blocker, uh, I think he's one of the best tight ends in the country. And you know, I think that's a position where you look at it. If he had left, they could have been kind of weak at that position next year because you're losing uh, Luke Farrell. I think they're losing Jake Hausman. And so, you know, you would have really been, you know, leaning on a guy like a Cade Stover, who I think has a lot of potential, but we still really haven't seen play yet. So I think having Ruckert back at that position is huge. And, you know, and then if he's receivers, I mean, really the question of these receivers is just uh, – how are you going to find playing time for all these guys? Because they're just absolutely loaded. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a lot that goes into that question because like, you know, they, they split playing time uh, decently well this year, but they didn't split targets at all. Like the targets were all going to Garrett Wilson. They were all going to Chris Olave. And part of that was just a factor of they're just worn a ton of blowouts. Like a lot of times late in games or, or when you get to see other guys, some of the freshmen, some of the guys who play sparingly, you know, the Cam Babs of the world. Um, but we didn't, we didn't see, we didn't have any of those opportunities to see those guys. Uh, so instead it was the Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson show and Ohio state was fine to do that. And I do wonder, you know, are they going to adjust that at all? I mean, if you have Julian Fleming and Jetson Smith and Jigba, Back for their second year, you have Jamison Williams on his third year. I mean, you're bringing in a guy. You're bringing in guys like Emeka Ibuka. Like, you just have you have too much talent to to just have the same kind of passing distribution as it did this past year. It's like the greatest problem in the world to have. <laughs> like, it's 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 not a problem at all. But but like, you sort of have to phrase it that way because I don't really know the answer. It's just sort of a question mark. But every every single answer is amazing for Ohio State. So, like, who even cares? <laughs> yeah, I think that's important to say. It's a great problem to have because I know yes or Monday when I tweeted about uh, how much depth Ohio State had at receiver, you know, the initial reaction from a lot of people was, "Well, I'm sure two or three of these guys are going to transfer." And yeah, you're, you're probably right that a few of these guys are going to ultimately end up finishing their college careers elsewhere. But that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to have too much talent in the receiver room. It, it's it's a good thing that you have 10 different guys who could all potentially be studs. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt there's not going to be room for all of these guys to live up to their potential at Ohio State. There's just too much talent in the room uh, for all of these guys to, to play the roles they're capable of playing 
at Ohio State. So surely over the next few years, you know, a few of these guys, I, I do anticipate there will be transfers, but that's okay. That's that's part of college football. Do you do you remember? Do you remember people getting worried when Justin Fields came in about the about Ohio State's depth at quarterback? And right. like, listen, we were some of the people who were like, you know, if something were to happen to Justin Fields, they're in trouble. But like, even if something were to happen to a wide receiver and other people were to transfer, they wouldn't be in trouble. They'd be perfectly fine. So that there, like, there are no negatives to this. This is just this is just recruiting, development, talent retention at its peak. It doesn't. It really doesn't get any better than this well this i mean this is different from a quarterback situation because of that you know you're talking about like okay he might be the only scholarship quarterback left with these guys you could lose three of them and you'll still have six top 100 receivers on the roster so you know there's just no reason to worry about it if yeah there might be a few guys who just end up going to play somewhere else but there's no reason to worry about it from an ohio state fans perspective because all that's gonna mean is that other guys were better and that other guys were able uh, to get, you know, on the field. And I think, you know, sometimes too, like I kind of get it from fans sometimes when I think sometimes you might have a guy coming back who's maybe perceived to not be as talented as the guys behind him. And then that guy comes back and you're thinking, you know, he's keeping this other guy off the field and, and maybe that prevents that guy from, you know, being a player he's going to be, but we're talking about Chris Olave here. We're talking about, a guy who, like you said, could be an All-American next year. I mean, you're talking about a guy. I did the numbers, and if he had played a full season, he was on pace to break Ohio State's receiving records. Like, that's how good Chris Olave is. So it's absolutely nothing but a 100% positive to get Chris Olave back for another year. What do you expect from him this season? Like, what's the next level that he can take his game to? Why why, why is he back? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. If I were him, I probably wouldn't have come back. Why, why do you think he's back? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, like, I don't know how much more of a level there is for him to tap into. I mean, I saw, like, you know, a couple people make the point of, like, you know, he could look at what Devontae Smith did in Alabama this past year where Devontae Smith, he could have gone pro a year ago. He probably would have been a late first-round pick. You know, he came back. Now he's going to be a top-five pick. He won the Heisman. Do I think Chris Olave is going to do that? No, because that's a pretty – high bar to set for somebody but you know i do think i do think this like i think he's absolutely going to be a captain he might be the top leader on the entire team because they're losing all their captains from last season so i think you know that was one thing that i kind of looked at as a little bit of a concern before chris olave and fayer munford announced they were coming back of just like who are the leaders going to be on this team i think now like you've got two of your big answers right there with both of those guys deciding to come back. So, you know, I think that's something he's going to have the opportunity to do. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I mean, in terms of like an NFL draft stock conversation, you know, how much do I think he can really bolster his draft stock? I, I don't know. I don't know how much more of a ceiling uh, there is there for him. You know, certainly you, know, you come back, you know, he'll have a chance to get his degree, which I'm sure is an important thing to him. And he'll have a chance to compete for another national championship, which I think, uh, as an important thing to him, but you know, his numbers that he was putting up were already pretty big. And I, and I do agree with what you said before in terms of, you know, the rotation for next year, I, I don't think you can just have all the targets going to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson next year. Cause I think there's too much talent in the room to do that. And I don't think that's, I think, I think you are going to see more guys getting into the action. Cause I, I, you know, particularly I look at Jackson Smith and Julian Fleming, as two guys who they were in the rotation this year, 
we didn't see a lot from them. I think part of that's probably just because it was such a weird year and, you know, freshmen really didn't have the opportunity to get going the way they normally would. But those are two guys I look at next year and say, I think these are guys who could make that leap uh, from, you know, just being guys we're playing to guys who can now become stars. And if those two guys can take that next step and become stars, and then you've got Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson coming back, you know, now you could be looking at something like Alabama had two years ago when they had Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs all out there. I mean, this has the potential to just be a ridiculously good receiving core. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I mean, the key word is potential. Like nothing, nothing, nothing about this. Like we, we've seen flashes from some of the younger guys. We haven't seen that consistent production yet. And I think that that's the next step for those guys. The, the, the floor for Chris Olave is really high. We know whatever Chris Olave is going to be out there in the fall of 2021 is going to be an impact player, a great player. And we know that about Garrett Wilson too. I think that that the ceiling will be determined by, you know, some of the minor improvements made by Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but mainly some of those younger guys and how much of a step up that they're going to take this fall. And the ceiling is going to be determined by how good the quarterback is yeah, because yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll all come, we'll, we'll come back to that for the next eight months because that's the number one thing on this team in the same way that everything was determined by just uh, ever this entire team ceiling was determined by Justin Fields this year. You made the point before though, and I want to go back to it of just like when you have these receivers, you know, how good does that next quarterback need to be? Because I, I wrote about this the other day that, you know, I don't, I don't, I think when you have this much talent coming back in receiving core, I don't think Ohio State needs its, its new quarterback next year to be Justin Fields next year. I think Ohio State needs its new quarterback to be Mac Jones. I think Ohio State needs its new quarterback to be somebody who, who's going to accurately and efficient, efficiently get the ball to these guys when they get open. Cause I think with this kind of talent, you're going to have a lot of open receivers. You, you, but the big, the big thing with this, the new quarterback is he's got to find those guys. He's got to find those open receivers. He's got to get the ball to them accurately. Now I think all these guys have the potential to be stars, to do a lot, to make a lot of big plays and, and create plays by themselves as well. But I think the most important thing for 2021 is just going to be for this guy, the new quarterback, whether it's CJ Stroud or Jack Miller or Kyle McCord to, to make smart decisions to, to find receivers when they get open, you know, to not turn the ball over and, and get the ball to those guys when opportunities present themselves. Cause I think, you know, having this much talent around them it, it hypothetically should make things a lot easier for that new quarterback. Uh, the guys just got to make the plays that are there. I think the best thing that Ryan day does on offense is, uh, you know, there, he does a lot of good things, but you know, one of the best to me is he just, he designs an offense in a way that a lot of times makes it sort of easy on a quarterback. You know, I think that I think back to Justin Fields first year and like how few interceptions he threw and like, sure. A lot of that was Justin Fields, but a lot of that too was that Ryan day designed uh, an offense that just gave him a lot of openings and a lot of places to, to put the ball. Um, and when you have this, the, these, this number of weapons, you know, I think that I think we could see something similar this fall. We talk about helping out a quarterback. We got to talk about Thayer Munford coming back too, because that's another one that we did not expect with him, you know, being a senior, 
we thought this was going to be his last year. And to have him back along with Nicholas Petit-Frere back at right tackle, I mean, those two guys were already this past year, two of the best pass protectors in the entire country. And I think bringing them back, you could have the best pair of offensive tackles in the country next year. And certainly uh, you're talking about having a new quarterback. Uh, that's going to be huge in terms of uh, giving him pass protection. Fourth year starting left tackle is just like absurd. <laughs> like four years. I mean, the guys, the guy has played 2,400 snaps at left tackle and he's deciding to come back for a fourth year as a starter. I think it's, it's insane. And it's also great for them. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I said on Twitter and I, and I really believe this, like, I think he sh- maybe should have been an all American. Like I thought he had a better year than Wyatt Davis. who was a first team all American. I just thought he was more consistent, especially in the past game. And I thought in the run game, you know, I thought he was the most impactful um, blocker. I thought he was more impactful than the Nick Petit Frere. Um, he was, to me, he just got the job done every single week, every, every single time that there was a big challenge there, run for gross to the occasion. So um, needless to say, I expect, I expect Ohio State will, will have a very solid pair with, uh, with Thayer Munford and Nick petit Frere. Yeah, I thought both those guys were fantastic this past season. And I, I think them coming back is going to make the interior line better too because you do have two stars to replace there. And, and Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers and both those guys leave big shoes to fill. But, you know, I know how you feel about Paris Johnson Jr. I look at a guy like that. I expect him to start at guard next year. I think a guy like that is too talented to sit on the bench for two years. And I think ultimately, you know, that's going to make you better too, because I think he he's probably going to be an upgrade at guard over somebody who would have started there. And then you just look at, you know, the other guy, I mean, Dewan Jones is another guy. Maybe he's in the mix at tackle. Now he's in the mix at guard and you bring back Harry Miller and Matthew Jones, and you've got uh, Luke Whipler and, and, you know, I think right there, you know, I think you've got six guys who are intriguing candidates there uh, to start on that interior offensive line. Will any of them be quite as good next year as Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers? I don't know, but I think there's a, a lot of talent there. That, that would make you optimistic that there's not going to be a huge drop off there. Yeah, they're going to be they're going to be just fine, and it does remove some of, you know, I think that I think if you were to move, if they were to have left, I think we both would have probably projected Paris Johnson to start at left tackle, and then you know the the ideal move would be for Harry Miller to shift over to center. You imagine Matthew Jones and Dewan Jones maybe are those guards, and then behind them maybe it's Famahi, maybe it's Lippler. I just think there's less margin for error with that kind of group. Uh, and, and I think that with, with having their back, I just think that there's, if, if something were to go wrong somewhere, if someone were to get hurt, I just think that there's more, there are more experienced bodies, more experienced depth, more talented guys um, sort of on the, on the cusp. And I think that that is, that is another benefit to, to having Thayer back even beyond just him manning the starting left tackle spot. Like I said in the opening, you know, I think the one departure that's a little bit surprising is Tommy Togiai leaving. And as of the time we're recording, we still don't have an announcement yet from Haskell Garrett. So we're not quite sure if he's going to be back for his extra year of eligibility or if he's going to go to the NFL draft. But I do think Togiai's loss is a big one. I think maybe outside of fields, uh, maybe the most impactful of these losses for Ohio State because – we have talked about it before on the show. 
I don't think the defensive tackle recruiting over the last few years has been great. And I think it, it does leave some question marks, uh, some big question marks at that defensive tackle spot going into next season. It does. You know, I think that in general, maybe defensive tackle and more specifically nose tackle is one of those positions where you can probably get away with having a guy who's maybe a little bit more subpar there. Um, I don't think that that that's not a position that you're going to look at and, you know, if it's not going particularly well for Ohio state, you say, well, they can't recover from this. Whereas if you have a hole in your defensive backfield, you know, you're in deep trouble. I think Kerry Combs made that. Learned point. that. I think, yeah, yeah, we definitely learned that. Although they had more than one hole uh, and Kerry Combs made that point probably a few months ago. And I, I actually think it applies here because the benefit to have bring to, to have brought back Tommy toad guy would have been, you have a guy who's a potential All-American candidate who can change games at that one technique. I think that they can get by without having that kind of guy at nose tackle. The issue is, I don't know that they're going to have a guy who changes games. Like, I think that that's the thing that's going to be different is, you know, you might you might be more leaning towards the serviceable nose tackle rather than the game-changing nose tackle. And that's all with the caveat that I didn't see Haskell Garrett coming. I didn't see Devon Hamilton coming. And when Robert Landers first brought up, broke out onto the scene, I didn't see Robert Landers coming. So I think that there is this thing at defensive tackle that Larry Johnson has had where maybe there are some familiar names who you've forgotten about that just sort of come out of nowhere and are way more impactful than, than, than you sort of thought. And that's those are the kind of guys who I would keep my eye on um, because also those are the guys that they'll have to rely on without, without toe guy. Yeah, Antoine Jackson announced on Tuesday that he would be coming back for his extra year of eligibility, and he's a guy, he had his most productive game of his career uh, against Alabama with Tommy Togiai out. He had five tackles and a sack in that game. Uh, Jerron Cage, he started and played the Togiai in that game. I know that you liked what you saw from him this year. So I think you know those are probably the two guys you look at that are probably going to lead that nose tackle rotation next year. And I think you know based on what we've seen from him so far at Ohio State, my feeling would be that, you know, you're probably looking at serviceable play there rather than spectacular play. But like you said, we, we've seen it before at this position. You know, sometimes those guys in that last year at Ohio State, they, they make a big jump. And we know Larry Johnson's probably the best in the business uh, at what he does. So I think, you know, it, it's certainly possible we see a big jump from one of those guys too. You know, I also think, you know, you're going to look at Guys like, you know, Ty Hamilton and, you know, even freshmen coming in like Mike Hall and Tyleek Williams, you know, there could be an opening there for those guys to, you know, make a push for some early playing time. Cause I don't think, you know, there's a, there's a ton of proven veterans here, but uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they'll, they'll, I agree. I think, I think they'll be okay. Uh, I think it would help a lot if Haskell Garrett comes back <laughs> because they're talking about a guy who was an all American of uh, his past year. And I think that would really uh, be a big benefit to the Buckeyes, but you know, I think they'll probably be okay either way. Uh, I, I do think losing a guy like Togi Ivo just makes it all the more important that, you know, that defensive end spot next year, guys like Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith, that those guys really start to finally uh, become the players they've been hyped to be. Because I do think we saw, I think we saw, especially in the Alabama game, that, you know, it, it does hurt when you when you don't have that, you know, really impactful pass rush that we've seen from Ohio State in past years. Uh, that that does hurt. Yeah, and I, I'm going to make this point because I, I think I'm going to write about it at some point in the next week or two because I think it's important to this defense, and it's something that we talked a lot about with the 2020 Buckeyes. I think it's applicable to 2021 too, which is <clears> – <throat> 
who are the stars on this defense? I, I just, I just don't know. And, and like, this is, this is a, this is a team where for five straight seasons, they had a top for top half of the first round player selected in the NFL draft on defense. That, I mean, that's a crazy run. And, and if you go back further, six to the last seven years that happened, um, it's not going to happen this year. I'm not so sure it's going to happen the year after. Um, what you need to have happen is you need to have Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith or, you know, maybe a Josh Proctor or someone like that. Just have a have a big breakout season. And that's sort of what Ohio State needs. Like Ohio State doesn't really have any stars on defense and they didn't have any this past year um, beyond, you know, I, I, I still, I, you know, I I, I wanted I, I don't want to call Haskell Garrett a star, even though he was an All-American, just because like. He didn't. He didn't make. He didn't look like an all-American necessarily in the in the biggest two games of the year to me. Um, like they didn't have a Chase Young or a Jeff Okuda to rely on in the national championship game. Like those are the kind of guys who I'm talking about. Like who is their next Denzel Ward? Who is their next guy who is going to um, be that kind of player? Be that kind of guy who's going to get drafted top ten, top fifteen? And you know when we when he came in, I thought that would be Zach Harrison. I thought this would be the year that Zach Harrison breaks through and has 12 sacks. Um, and after this past season, I don't know that it's him and I don't necessarily know who it's going to be. And Tommy told you, I maybe could have been that guy. Um, he could have been that all American guy who makes a, who makes a big, big time rise in 2021 ahead of the 2022 draft. And now I'm sort of looking at this defense and I'm just wondering who, who can it be? Who will it be? All in all lose Togi I, but to get Olave Munford, Rucker back. I think that's a win for the Buckeyes. Do you agree? Yeah, I think it's, I think, I think it's probably a win too. I think it is. Um, Togi is a, Togi is absolutely a big loss, but I think even single-handedly getting Chris Olave back um, is probably more important to this team. Let's talk a little bit more about the quarterbacks. Cause I think that's going to be obviously, you know, the biggest, probably the biggest topic of the entire off season with, We've talked about it before. You've got three quarterbacks who are going to be vying for this job, which I think is going to make for a very interesting competition. But these are three guys who have never thrown a pass at the collegiate level. C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller were both on the team this past year, but when they got in the game, Ohio State called running plays every play when they were in the game because it was just very limited opportunities for those guys. So, you know, I think – we would have fought a year ago before the pandemic hit and before we knew that Ohio State wasn't going to play a normal full season. You know, I think we thought, you know, there was going to be several opportunities to really evaluate both of these guys uh, as passers uh, in extended playing time to see what they could do. And we just didn't get that this past year. So it leaves a lot more uncertainty about this position. I think there's reason for optimism here. I mean, you mentioned it before. I mean, I think just the fact that Chris Olave is deciding to come back tells you that, you know, there's good, there's confidence in that receiver room that the guy who's throwing him a ball next year is going to be pretty good. But we just don't know who that's going to be. And we're not going to know until that first game of a season whether any of these guys are actually really ready. Yeah, I think that, I think it's fair to, you know, call CJ Stroud a, a light favorite right now, just because, you know, it, it became pretty obvious to those of us who follow the team closely that he was the backup quarterback, <laughs> whether Ryan day wanted to say it or not, 
he was the backup quarterback. And if you think back to that Michigan State game when Justin Fields had Deads at the play for a game, who came in in the mid-second quarter? C.J. Stroud. And who's you know around the coaching staff really closely during games? It's C.J. Stroud. Um, and I think, I think to me, him having that extra year of experience over Kyle McCord and seemingly being the backup this past year over Jack Miller leads into the offseason with him probably being the favorite. But I think if you had asked a year ago, I certainly would have thought that he and Jack Miller would have had a had a bigger step up um, than Kyle McCord. And I think that the fact that I think I think that they combined for three rushes <laughs> over the course of the entire season and zero passing attempts. Um, hey, that two touchdowns, level, though. They each I had know. A touchdown. Oh, I know. They they managed to score touchdowns on two thirds of the plays that they held onto the ball, which apparently bodes well for the Buckeyes. Um, but I think I think that that levels the playing field a little bit for Kyle McCord. Um, he'll obviously have to come in and impress right away, went over his teammates right away and show that he's a leader right away. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on him to do stuff immediately. And he has to come in perhaps more of a finished product than, than, you know, you usually see a quarterback. Um, but I don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily know how much an advantage CJ Stroud and Jack Miller got this year compared to what they normally did. And, and, it'll be interesting to try and cover this because Ohio state will do its best to not let us know a single thing about this quarterback competition for eight months, which I promise everyone out there listening, it will drive us as crazy. It was as it will drive you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to all the questions we're going to get about who has the upper hand when we have no idea if we're even going to see a practice before the season, as we continue to live <laughs> yeah. in a COVID world, uh, I don't imagine that access this offseason is going to be uh, what it's necessarily been in some past offseason. So well, we'll see about that. We're going to hope for whatever we can get there. But uh, yeah, the, Ryan Day and Corey Dennis are definitely not going to be uh, particularly forthcoming about who has the advantage in uh, that quarterback competition uh, until they're ready to name a starter. But I do agree with you. I do think that's, you know, I think if we, if we were setting betting odds for this quarterback, race right now i don't know exactly what the number would be for cj stroud but i do think you know he, he would have uh you know the, the lowest odds in terms of who's the most likely guy uh to win this competition but you know i don't think you know i don't think he's a heavy favorite i don't think anybody's a you know total long shot in this thing either i think i think this really is going to be a wide open competition when spring starts because again none of these guys ever thrown a collegiate pass so i think this i think you know you think back to some of these past years where you have a quote unquote competition, but we all know what the outcome is. This is going to be a real competition. This this is not going to be one of those competitions where the outcome of it is predetermined. And it's just a matter of that person confirming they should be the starter. And this is going to be a real competition where all three of them are going to have a chance to outperform the others. And it's really going to come down to who has the best spring, who has the best summer, who most consistently shows in practice that they can move the offense down the field. Yeah, it's not going to be a competition like the uh, 2019 one where I make a joke on Twitter about it not being competition and Matthew Baldwin's mom blocks me for it, which, you know, understandable, but also it wasn't a competition. So I, I'm not sorry for that. It's a, it's a good joke. Um, it, it was not. It was, top, it was topical at least. Maybe not good. I don't want to say that. It was a topical joke. Um I think, you know, the, the if we were to see a practice, Dan, 
like which of these three guys would you be most interested to see? Because here's the thing, like we haven't seen anything from these guys since they enrolled, basically. I mean, you, you see them warm up and you see them hand the ball off in games. And like for one practice 10 months ago, we saw them slightly, but I wasn't even really watching them that closely. <laughs> so I basically haven't seen these guys throw passes in a game setting or even a, a you know simulated game setting ever. Um, who, who are you most interested in? Out of all three of these guys, yeah, I mean, I think I'd be watching all three of them equally. Really, I mean, I, oh. I, I think that's oh, for, I mean, that's that's the answer. I mean, it really is the answer because we haven't seen any of these guys throw a pass. We haven't seen there wasn't even a spring game last year. Like we we haven't seen any of these guys do anything other than high school. So yeah, I mean, I'm equally interested in watching all three of them. There's there's not there you know I I have the same questions about all of them right now because. I haven't seen any of them really play. My answer is CJ Stroud because I just think that I think that the the simple logic of why are these guys coming back when they can be pros? Oh, it must mean that they've seen something in the quarterbacks that have been practicing makes enough sense to me that I want to see what these guys have seen behind the scenes. And like I said, it became pretty obvious that CJ Stroud was the number two quarterback. So I want to see what he's been able to do and what he's learned and and what his arm looks like and and what he's, you know, I want to hear from him what he's learned from Ryan Day and and Corey Dennis in in year one. Um, The other aspect of this that's interesting to me is, you know, there's so much talk about, you know, from both Justin Fields and Ryan Day that they were basically working by themselves often. Um, And what that meant is Corey Dennis had both Kyle McCord, um, or not Kyle McCord, both uh, CJ Stroud and Jack Miller to himself for a lot of um, the season and the offseason, it felt like. Um, So I think that I want to know what Ryan Day's impressions are when he fully has his hands on them. Because to, to... at least from the vibes that that all basically all of them were sending um, for the past several months, you know, Ryan Day was basically with Justin Fields all the time. And I don't know how much time he got to spend with with Jack Miller and CJ Stroud, um, com- especially compared to a normal year. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to learn something about Corey Dennis this year, too. I don't think we learned really anything about Corey Dennis this past year because uh, it was just Justin Fields playing. And we know that Justin Fields working with Ryan Day, but I think now this year is when Corey Dennis's work as a quarterback developer is going to be put to the test because certainly Ryan Day is going to be heavily involved in the process of those guys now too. But, you know, we, you know, here's the thing that that first practice of the spring, if we get to watch that CJ Stroud and Jack Miller should look better than Kyle McCord. If they don't, well, then that means one of two things that either means Kyle McCord is really, really good or it means that those guys didn't develop the way they needed to in year one. Yeah, it's you know it's funny you mentioned the the Corey Dennis aspect because that's that's something that I've been looking forward to looking forward to learning too because you know it's it it will be hard to know how much to give credit to him, how much to give credit to just these guys for learning, and you know how much to give credit to Ryan Day. But this is this is the first test for him um, because as much as he was the quarterback coach this past year. Ryan Day was the quarterback one coach. Outside of a quarterback competition, what are the other biggest questions you have going into 2021? Oh, there's probably a billion of them. But, um, you know, I think, I mean, there are so many, but I'll just just focus on the big ones for today. Well, I'm, 
I don't even know if it's a big one, but like the one thing that I, ju- I just, I don't know that we're going to have an answer to until they start the season. And then I don't know if they're going to have their answer until midway through the season is I just want to know how this running back room shakes up because obviously no one saw what Trey Sermon did early in the season coming and struggling the way he did. And definitely nobody saw what happened late in the season coming. Um, but I think everybody saw what master Teague did coming, which is like, we know who master Teague is like master Teague is going to be the guy who can run straight forward um, hard and, and fast. And that's his game. And, you know, he's not going to get many negative yardage plays. He's also probably not going to be the most dynamic running back. Um, but he's also now he's a two-time all big 10 running back who is going to be uh, a four. He's, he's going to be entering his fourth season at Ohio state. Um, and, you know, I think for a lot of people, he's probably the presumed starter. But I don't I don't really know if that's going to be the most dynamic guy. I don't really know if he's going to be an, end up as their starter. I mean, Mayan Williams, Mayan Williams looked really impressive in his limited opportunities. Um, obviously, there's Steel Chambers and, and Marcus Crowley in the room. And I think I, I, I think the the biggest guy added to the room is Travion Henderson. I mean, he's a five-star running back who Ohio State desperately needed, probably desperately needed in the 2020 class. They get him in the 2021 class instead, um, and they're bringing him in with Evan Pryor. And I honestly have no idea how this thing's going to shake out. I, I really don't, because I probably would have, you know, if you had asked me a year ago to project the 2021 starters, I would have just written in Master Teague and said probably him. Um, and I would have written off Mayan Williams and said, I don't really know where he fits into this. And now I don't really, I don't really know what to expect out of these guys. I really don't. Yeah. I agree. The running back competition is fascinating because, you know, and we, we were asked about this. One of the questions we got today from uh, Kesey as well. well. We'll answer that now in terms of you know, who, who gets the first crack at running back next year. And will they have, you know, two running backs in the rotation like this year and, you know, I, I think it's, you know, presumable that Master Teague is going to get the first crack at running back this year. But I, I don't know that I necessarily – I don't know if that necessarily means he should. I mean, I, I think he will because he's the veteran, because he's been in that rotation for two years. But do I necessarily think Master Teague is going to be the best running back in my room next year? I don't. I don't know what I do. I don't know what I do because I, I, do, I think – I think Master T. I mean, at this point, I feel like we kind of know what Master Teague is. Like, I think he's been kind of the same player for two years, and I think he's a good back. I don't think he's a great back, and 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 I think there are other guys in that room who have higher upside. You know, I think you start right there with Travian Henderson, and I could absolutely see this being like a Mike Weber, J.K. Dobbins situation where Master Teague is Mike Weber and Travion Henderson is J.K. Dobbins and Travion Henderson just soars right up the depth chart right away. I think he's that kind of talent. But I also, I don't, I do not want to write off a guy like Mayan Williams being a factor in here because, you know, there's a reason why he was playing over Marcus Crowley and Steel Chambers late in the year. That's because, you know, he, he, he impressed the coaches. He showed them something and I thought he was impressive and limited action. And granted it was 10 carries. So uh, it's not like we've seen enough from him to have a really good feel for what he's going to be yet. But, you know, he's a guy that I, I, I don't want to write off on this conversation at all as a guy that I think could potentially be a contributor at that spot next year. And certainly 
you know, Marcus Crowley and, and Steel Chambers are going to be in that mix as well as, you know, Evan Pryor also coming in as a freshman. But I think Travion Henderson and Mayan Williams are the two guys that really intrigue me in that room as, you know, guys I think could climb that depth chart and who I'm really intrigued to see what they can do in 2021. Yeah, the Master Teague thing is just like – like he's just he to me is just average. Like he's fine, he's perfectly fine. But are you going to go win a national championship with someone being perfectly fine at running back, or can you do better? Like to me, if you're Ohio State and you have the history of running backs that you do at Ohio State, like go get somebody better and go play somebody better. I think they can do better at Master Teague. I think they will have better than Master Teague this season, and I want to see how Tony Alford handles this. Um, because Master Teague is really well-respected in this room, and he is a workout warrior. I mean, Mickey Marotti was just gushing about him a year ago, um, and if you look at his physique, like, it's crazy. It, it really is crazy, but, I, like, Mayan Williams showed showed some stuff that I don't think we necessarily saw from Master Teague, and Trayvon Henderson's just different. Obviously, I think the other really big question going into 2021 is going to be, can Kerry Combs – get this Ohio state defense back to where it needs to be because because my answer to that really is I don't know, because like you said, I think new stars need to emerge on Ohio state's defense. I don't know exactly who those guys are going to be. And, you know, I, I think that's key. I mean, I think both, I think there's multiple aspects that are key. I think they do need some legitimate stars to emerge on the defense like they've had before with, Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, but like they didn't have this past season. And then I think, you know, Combs has got to prove that, you know, he schematically that he can get the job done. Cause I think, you know, to people who really, you know, follow scheme, like our guy, Kyle Jones, you know, I think it was obvious to them that, you know, Ohio state just was not as well coached defensively this past year as they were the year before with Jeff Halfley. So I think there's a lot of questions on that side of the ball. You know, I, I'm also increasingly of a point where it's like, I don't think Ohio State necessarily has to be elite on defense. I think it offense has to be elite because I think that's what we've seen from his Alabama and LSU over the past two years is, you know, if Ohio State has can have the best offense in the country, which I'm not saying it can, because again, we don't even know exactly who their quarterback's going to be. So that's going to go a long way in determining whether Ohio State can do that. But, you know, I think that's the first key but you also have to have a defense that isn't going to get absolutely gashed the way you did in the national championship game. So uh, they definitely have to be better on that side of the ball. And I don't think it's a given that they will be because they are losing some good players on that side of the ball. And I don't think there's obvious stars waiting in the wings to break out. Yeah. I think that, you know, when you look at linebacker, for so long, people have been clamoring for the next generation of linebacker, AK getting past the Baron Browning, Tuff Boylan, Justin Hilliard, Pete Warner generation of linebacker. And I think that there are significant question marks when you consider that all of those guys uh, that now you're going to count on collectively played 240 snaps this past season. Um, that is not a lot. That is not a ton of playing time. And I think that you have to wonder what to expect out of those guys. And then beyond that, I think that I think my main question about the defense right now, at least, you know, it's just a personal, it's a personal thing that I'm just wondering about, like how, how do, how do they approach it? Like, does the secondary go chalk when it comes to personnel? And by that, I mean, like, 
I could easily project that offensive backfield right now. I could project it seven banks and Cam Brown at corner. It's Marcus Williamson at nickel or at, at slot cornerback. And then it's Josh Proctor at safety. And that's very easy to project. But the issue with that is like they had largely that with Sean Wade instead of Cam Brown, and they weren't very good back there. So do you just run it back with that? Or do you look at the other guys? And the interesting part about this to me is there are a ton of other guys that you can choose from, um, whether it's Tyreek Johnson, Legend Cavazos, um, Ryan Watts, Kalen Johnson, Jordan Hancock, Court Williams, Lathan Ransom, Ronnie Hickman, Marcus Hooker, Cam Martinez. I mean, that's, what is that? That's like eight, nine different guys. And that's not even all of them. Um, that, to me, there are just so many combinations you can play back there. And I do wonder if they end up just sort of running it back or if they get creative, because if they want to get creative, there are a ton, a ton of ways they can go. Yeah. I think they need to at least explore being creative there because it, the play was not good enough this past season to just say status quo, the guys who were starters last year are clearly the starters this year. I think every spot back there should be open for competition. And I also think you need to explore what are the spots? What, you know, what, what should it look like? Or are there different ways we can align this thing to put these guys in better positions to succeed? Because I, I think, you know, I think that these guys are talented. I'd also bet against there being a Jeff Okuda or a Denzel Ward in this group next year. Cause I just, I, I don't think there's anybody we've seen who's close to that level to think that there's going to have that kind of player back there next year. So I think you need to, you need to be able to put the guys that you have in the best positions to succeed. Can I, can I jump in right there? Because that, I think this is a, this is a point that no, that we haven't really made, but I think it's, it jumps off that as that point that you made the, the, and it's the thing that Ryan day always says, it's like Ryan day is going to build an offense that takes advantage of the guys that, that he has. And he's done a great job of that so far. Um, isn't it amazing how before the season it was sold that Josh Proctor is the guy who's great near the line of scrimmage and Marcus Hooker is the guy who's great being that free safety center fielder. And then in the middle of the year, they're just like, oh, we messed up. Josh Proctor's back there. Like, and, and then, you know, we saw Marcus Hooker as the, you know, a backup um, at the position that Josh Proctor had previously played. Like to me, that's a coaching mistake. That's a, that's a coach putting a player in the wrong spot. And now what we're, what we're basically saying is you have to figure out how to best use these 10, 11, 12 different guys and piece them together and, and make a great versatile defense. Because I think there's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of ways you can do this. I don't know that that mid season move of Josh Brocher and Marcus Hooker really um, made me, overly confident and and it's certainly not something that I'm going to look back on and say well now I don't believe in them at all but I think them completely misevaluating what they had in those two players and not is is at least a little bit um you know not not I don't think that this, that's the greatest thing in the world when you're looking forward to to what they have to do this offseason I mean I I do think it should be remembered that Terry Combs a first year defensive coordinator who had did not have a normal offseason, did not have the time he should have had with these guys over the spring and the summer, and then you get into a season where you play five regular season games instead of 12, and you're not able to work through some of the issues that you would in a normal season. So I think that shouldn't be forgotten here as a part of this equation where you know you, you were going to have some things 
happen that you maybe wouldn't have happen in a normal year because of that. But, you know, I think now, you know, year two, he's, he's really got to prove it. You know, I Matt Barnes is in year three, Matt Barnes had seen those guys before too. True. But, you know, I look at Combs as the defensive coordinator and the lead secondary coach as the guy who was ultimately going to make Mm -hmm. those decisions. So uh, I think the pressure falls at, on his feet uh, to be the guy who really figures that out this year. And I think, you know, this year there's no excuses because this year you're starting out knowing you've still got to deal with COVID. So whatever might happen in regards to COVID this year, I don't think there's any excuses because you had no idea this was coming at this time a year ago. You, you know, it's still something you might have to deal with now. So I don't think you get any excuses for it this year, but I, I do think that's something that shouldn't be forgotten in this equation because uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Combs was put in a tough spot in that regard as a first-year defensive coordinator, but there's no doubt now that he's got to prove it. No, and, I, and this is, you know, this is a perfect year to prove it because he brings back three starters and Josh Proctor. Well, honestly, you can probably say technically four if you want to include Marcus Hooker because he started for a lot of the year. Um, bring back Josh Proctor, uh, brings back seven banks, brings back Marcus Williamson, and like, you know, you saw at least enough potential in, in those three guys that, you know, if you d- if developed the right way, like, you know, they could be a strength of this defense. The thing is, like, they need to they need to get developed. They need to they need to have opportunities to improve. And, you know, this is a specialty of Kerry Combs's. So if it's if it is that like this is why they're paying him the big bucks, because they need improvement right there and they need it. They need it this season. I want to get into our listener questions here in a minute, but. You know, the last thing I just wanted us to discuss quickly is just where do you feel right now about Ohio State as a potential national championship team in 2021? What's what's the biggest thing that would give you confidence that this team can make a run in a national title next season? And what's the biggest thing that would give you pause? Yeah, I mean, I think it I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be the favorite, but it's certainly a national championship contender and it'll be the favorite to win the big 10 again, as it should be. Um, because there, this as as, 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 as big of a deal it is that uh, Justin Fields leaves, like, this team is absolutely loaded with talent. I mean, you have four stars and five stars just rolling off the tongue. Like our entire conversation has been about four star and five star guys. So as, as, as bad as it is for Ohio state to lose some of these guys, they have a ton of guys back. Um, and I think that, you know, the number one thing to me, that is the reason why they are a national championship contender is all of the weapons that they have on offense. And I think also the offensive line that they have, because I don't think that the offensive line maybe is going to be as good as it was this year or even the year before. But I think this offensive line can still be really, really good. Um, and I like those interior guys. I mean, if you're going to throw Paris Johnson, Matthew Jones, and Harry Miller between Thayer Munford and Nick Petit Frere, like I think you're going to be a-okay. Um, obviously, the number one thing that is the question mark beyond the quarterback, which I might have more confidence in the quarterback, is can this defense not look atrocious? <laughs> can this defense – piece something together because you know I, I feel like when, when when you come off a bad season like think think back to the 2018 season like I I think that we had in our minds like all right you're going to get through this season next year they, they'll have some veterans like this should be an improved product 
and it was. It was a great defense. I think it was one of the all-time great Ohio State defenses. I feel like we get through the 2020 season, and I look at the defense, and I'm like, oh, boy. Like, I don't know if it'll be as bad as this past season because especially when it, or when it comes to pass defense, like they were just atrocious in pass defense. Um, but I think that there are some real holes and some real question marks that they're going to have to address in the offseason. They're going to have to make significant improvements. In. And, and that's, that's where I think a lot of the attention should go for the next seven, eight, nine months. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I, I just don't – right now I don't see it in terms of a guys they have coming back of this being an, an elite defense. And maybe they prove me wrong because, again, there are a lot of four and five stars over there, but I, I just think there's a lot that needs to happen on that side of the ball uh, for them to get to that level uh, next year. And, you know, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with everything you just said. I mean, right now, like, if I had to bet right now is Ohio State going to win the national championship next season, I'm going to say no because – I don't know how good the defense is going to be. And I just don't know uh, exactly what they're going to have at quarterback, but that doesn't mean I don't think they're capable because, you know, I think the RV too, like you talk about, you know, about inexperience at quarterback, but you look at it, Clemson's going to be in that boat too. Alabama's going to be in that boat too. Now the, those teams have five-star quarterbacks. who I think are going to be really good, but Ohio state's got the kind of talent too. So uh, I think Ohio state, you know, certainly, is going to have one of the most talented teams in college football again. I mean, again, absolutely. I think Ohio state's going to be the front runner in, in the big 10. And I think uh, a team that should make the college football playoff next year, but uh, there's going to be a lot of talk uh, over these next 12 months of uh, can Ohio state uh, get over that hump. Can they uh, get back to being a national championship caliber team? That's just the way it works at Ohio state. And uh, the answer is, I, I just don't know right now, but we've got, a lot of time to talk about that all off season. Yeah. I mean, the reason, the reason is pretty simple and it's that you don't have Justin Fields on offense and I'm not sure the defense is going to get much better. And like, that's if, if, if it turns out that the quarterback is really good and the weapons around him are the kind of weapons that, that we're expecting to have around him, or conversely, the, the defense surprises and is really, really good. Like I think, I think I think Ohio State could easily be back in that national championship picture, but right now, like those are the things that are holding me back, and and I know based on what you've said, they're holding you back too. All right, let's get into our listener questions. Cujo twenty four seven asked, which incoming freshman has the best chance of getting significant playing time? I got to start with Travion Henderson because I, I said it before. I mean, I think he could be a J.K. Dobbins type of immediate impact player for this team. So. Uh, you know, he, he's the number one guy that comes to mind to me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rule out Jack Sawyer in this equation either because they do need more of a pass rush next season. And I think he's a guy that has the potential to be an immediate impact player. I'm not going to project him to be a starter right away, but I do think based on the fact that we just haven't seen any of these other defensive ends, uh, really take that jump yet to become an elite player. I do think the door should at least be open for Jack Sawyer to make a move up the depth chart if he can show that he's ready in the spring and the summer. Yeah, I think I think Trayvon Henderson is the correct answer. Like if you're putting lines in Vegas, it's Trayvon Henderson. Now, if Kyle McCord plays, Kyle McCord's the answer. <laughs> but very true. <laughs> I but I also am projecting like if I were to sit here right now, I project CJ Stroud to start. So um if that's the case, then I then I think I, I think a J.K. Dobbins season is 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 possible. 
for Trayvon Henderson. I don't really know that I project it because I think that the, the, the fun thing about JK was like during that off season, it was so clear that JK was just imp- impressing his teammates and coaches beyond what anybody is ever used to from a freshman. Like I need to wait and see if that happens with Trayvon Henderson before we start calling him JK Dobbins 2.0 as a freshman. Um, but I think that that possibly is at least out there. Um, if Chris Olave didn't come back, Emeka Buku would be a, l- a little bit interesting, but I do wonder like how much he can fit into the rotation as a true freshman. Um, the other guys I would mention are Kalen Johnson and Jordan Hancock, but um, you know, I don't, I don't exactly know how they're going to fit in just because there are so many other guys there as, as, as true freshmen. So, and they're not early enrollees either, which I think hurts, yeah. especially at a position like corner. Yeah, so I do think like ultimately you just sort of have to come back to Trayvon Henderson, which is, you know, I think he's the obvious pick, but I also think he's probably going to be the correct pick. Buckeye Trapped in South asked, which returning starter or regular contributor has the most to prove in 2021? I feel like the obvious answer is Zach Harrison. And I feel like uh, that that's the guy who's going to be at the top of mind for a lot of people because – you know, this is a guy who's been billed as the next, you know, superstar defensive end at Ohio State, a five-star recruit who's supposed to be the next Chase Young, the next Nick Bosa. And really, we didn't come close to seeing that from him this year. So uh, I think he's the guy who's at the top of the list for me. Uh, who else comes to mind for you, Colin? Yeah, the Zach Harrison one's interesting because I completely bought the Zach Harrison hype because two reasons. Like one, Zach Harrison is buying the Zach Harrison hype. And two... Larry Johnson is buying the Zach Harrison hype. And if Larry Johnson's buying into hype, who am I to say that, who am I to, to say that it's not going to happen? So I, I was also, you know, a little bit caught off guard by the fact that um, he didn't have the season that, that I had expected him to, but the other guy I would mention is, you know, Harry Miller, because, you know, he's a guy who certainly didn't have the first season that he wanted to. It didn't have the first season that I thought he would. And now I think the expectation is he'll probably get moved um, right next door to left guard and, and get moved to center, which is, you know, maybe a, maybe a more natural position for him, but also like you need a guy who's going to be sm- smart and make some calls and set up the offensive line. Like he is all that. So I think, I think he has a lot to prove, but I also like, I, I don't care what I saw his first year. I'm very optimistic in Harry Miller this fall. Silver sniper asked what kind of conundrum in the quarterback room is created if Kyle McCord wins the job over Miller and Stroud next year, what impact would that have on Quinn Ewers? I think it's a good question because I, I mean, I do think you do look at the likely possibility of if Kyle McCord wins the job, that CJ Stroud and Jack Miller are probably both going to transfer elsewhere because they could, they could potentially sit on the bench and never start if Kyle McCord uh, wins the job. So I think it's an, it's an interesting conundrum. Uh, do I think that would necessarily have an impact on Quinn Ewers? I don't know. I, I would say that I don't know that it should because just watching Quinn Ewers, I think he's so talented, but I think no matter what happens this year, I, I think Quinn Ewers cannot be ruled out uh, of coming in and winning that job when he gets to campus. Cause I think he's that kind of player uh, that, you know, he, he's a guy that's, that's going to make a run at it, no matter who wins the job this year. Uh, but it, it's, it's definitely an interesting thing. I mean, the one thing I'd say is 
I don't think you can make your decision based on that because Kyle McCord could transfer too if he doesn't win the job. I mean, he's going to know Quinn Ewers is coming in behind him. So I think you've got to pick the best guy. It, it makes it important to pick the best guy because, you know, any one of these guys, if they don't win the job, they could immediately start exploring their options. So I, I think th- the most important thing is just picking the best guy, the guy who you think is going to be the best starter for you for the next two to three years and then go from there. But I, I do think it, potentially makes it a messier situation if Kyle McCord ends up winning the job. Yeah, I feel like this is a, I don't know, hot take or something, but, you know, I sort of think only one of these guys is ever going to start for Ohio State. Um, I agree. Whether it's Miller, Stroud, or McCord. um, And that's where, like, you make the point, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, like, you don't, you can't have any other factors in your decision other than who's going to, who's going to win you the most games this upcoming season. Uh, Because there is a, it's quarterback like transfers happen all the time. Um, so what kind of conundrum in the QB room is creative? Kyle McCord wins the job. I don't know, but what kind of conundrum is, is, is creative CJ Stroud wins the job. Like Kyle McCord knows, like you said, he knows Quinn yours is coming and, and Jack Miller's in the same class. Like you could have both of those guys transfer as well. So I think that there's a conundrum, no matter what happens, it's just incumbent on you of not keeping from and losing fields. Like you can't, you can't have it look back like that. You have to figure out the best one and not make yourself look crazy. Yeah. Very, very true. You, that's a thing you gotta, you don't, I mean, you could absolutely have multiple superstars in this trio. So there's a good chance, you know, one of these guys is going to transfer elsewhere and he's going to be great somewhere else, but you want to make sure that, you know, the guy you pick is one of them, you know, I mean, well, guy you pick, you want him to be a star. And if he, if he's not, and then the guy who goes somewhere else is a star, you know, then you're going to look bad at the end of the day. The the other thing, like what impact it has on yours. I think that that's interesting because, you know, you do make the point that, you know, he is Quinn yours. Like if you, if you watch him, if you've seen him, like he probably does think he can win any job at any time. And like Justin Fields thought that same way and went to Georgia didn't win the job and left. And to me, like, I'm not saying the situations are identical, but like, what if Quinn Ewers came to Ohio state for one season and then Kyle McCord had won the job and he has to stay and um, he'd have to sit for two seasons. Um, I don't really think that Quinn Ewers would do that. So I don't really know. I mean, that's the thing is you're just speculating on what a high school kid might do a couple of years down the line. Um, I, I don't really know. And, and I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, his relationship with, with, with Ryan day right now. Um, and also like what Texas has going on, because I think Ohio state certainly has to, and is treating him, you know, like he's uncommitted treating him, like they're recruiting anybody else and, and recruiting him hard because he's, he's as important as any other player that they've, you know, had committed since they landed Justin Fields. Jarhead Buck asked, what does the staff think about the transfer portal? Worried they'll lose anyone else after the draft declarations? And do they have their eye on anyone who entered the portal from elsewhere? Uh, to answer the second part of the question first, uh, I, I don't know right now if they have their eye on anyone specific in, in the portal. Um, you know, There could still be guys who enter the portal that haven't entered the portal yet who, who could be uh, – interesting to Ohio state. You know, my guess is there will be some transfers here that haven't happened yet. Um, you know, my feeling 
uh, again, without naming specific names, but just looking at the roster, uh, I do think there are more candidates uh, of guys who you know would have reason to consider that route this year than there maybe have been the last couple of years. And you know, part of that's because of the fact that you know you are getting guys of additional year of eligibility, and you've also got uh, it hasn't happened yet. It was supposed to happen a week ago. It didn't happen yet, but. Uh, eventually we think there's going to be a one-time transfer exception where guys could transfer elsewhere and play immediately. So, you know, I think if that happens, you know, there could be guys who are waiting on that. And then if that happens, they might, you know, ultimately decide to enter the portal. But, you know, I, I do think there will be some transfers at, at some point this off season, but, you know, maybe haven't happened yet for Ohio state, but, you know, in terms of what the staff is thinking of thinks about it, I, I think they've showed what they think about it is, they will you go into a portal if they think they can get a guy who can be an instant impact player, who can be a clear upgrade at a position. And I mean, so far Ryan day has gone free for free really with Justin Fields, Jonah Jackson, Trey Sermon, you know, Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganov. I kind of put them in a different category because those were guys that were clearly brought in as depth pieces. But in terms of bringing in guys who were supposed to be starters, who are supposed to make the team better, uh, they've gone free for free on those guys. Uh, I, I do think they're probably going to look for another Gunner Hope, Chris Chuganoff because uh, they do, you know, only have free scholarship quarterbacks right now. And, you know, I think they probably will try to find that veteran backup kind of guy that has a little bit of experience uh, just to give uh, some more experience in that room. But I don't think they'll look for a, a guy who would come in and start. You know, I think the starter is going to be one of these free young guys but I do think they probably try to find a veteran transfer quarterback just to add a little bit of depth to that room. And I would imagine uh, that they are going to explore, you know, elsewhere too. You know, I think certainly defensive tackle would be one position where maybe you'd want to look at, you know, maybe the secondary because you had some issues back there. I don't think that they're going to have reason to bring in a ton of transfers this off season, but uh, I do think they have reason to explore and, you know, see if there's maybe one or two guys who hit the portal who can make their team better. I think the theme between from their transfers so far has been that they're getting guys who they almost feel like an emergency to get them. Like they almost feel like they have to get them. Um, and they're also making sure that like, if you're going to land a transfer, like this guy is a guy who can be an impact player. Um, so I think that like, I don't think that Ohio State's going to go after multiple um, like three or four different transfers. I, this offseason, I don't think that their roster has that many holes. Like to me, it's like you look at linebacker, they lost four of their seniors and they don't return any starters. Like that's an option to me. Um, I don't necessarily think that they would in the defensive backfield just because, you know, they're bringing back three starters. They have so much depth uh, among their underclassmen. I feel like if you, if you, if you brought in, you know, a veteran, well, one, I don't know how many transfers that there have been among like the elite of the elite defensive backs over the past few years. And also like they, I feel like they have a lot of talent on the roster. It's a matter of getting the most out of those guys. So I don't, I don't think that they would look for one there. Like defensive tackle is interesting. I feel like if Antoine Jackson had decided to leave, they would look for an Antoine Jackson type maybe, but since he stays, um, I don't necessarily know that they look for a defensive tackle there. Um, I think that maybe they feel like they have enough there. Um, I wouldn't be floored if they got, they got somebody, but I think that, you know, linebacker makes sense. I think quarterback, like you said, makes sense, but 
you know, to me, this isn't going to be a huge transfer acquisition offseason. James R. Brown, Free 22, asked, what are the realistic expectations for the returning defensive backs? Did they show any encouraging signs going into next season? Well, I mean, I think saying they had no encouraging signs would be a little bit harsh. I mean, I think, you know, these guys are talented. I mean, I think Seven Banks is talented. I think Josh Proctor's talented. You know, I think Marcus Williamson got better as his, his first season progressed. You know, I look at a guy like Lathan Ransom. I thought he flashed where I'm really intrigued to see the kind of player he can become here in year two. And then, you know, I think there's a lot of guys like, you know, you mentioned before, guys like Legend Cavazos and Ryan Watts and, you know, Cam Martinez and Ronnie Hickman, you know, guys who we just, we really haven't gotten to see play much yet, but, you know, hopefully in 2021, there's going to be more opportunities, a longer season where you can get a feel whether these guys are starting or not for who they are. So, you know, I, I think they're, you know, I don't, I don't think there's reason to be totally discouraged with these guys. I mean, for one thing, like I said, do I think there's a Jeff Okuda in this group next year? I, I don't, I, I don't think there is. So I think uh, you're, you're going to have to be able to figure out how you can succeed without necessarily having that superstar in the secondary. Uh, but, you know, I think all of these guys can get better. And I think if you can have solid improvement across the board, then it's definitely possible to have a better secondary next year. Yeah. And like, if you're thinking about like, when you talk about their turning DBs, I was just sort of thinking about the returning starters because like, I think Marcus Williamson has a lot of room to grow. Um, you know, he, he, he's up there with Sean Wade among the guys who, who struggled the most. I think seven banks, you saw him, you saw him come up big and make some, make some plays throughout the season. You saw Josh Proctor do much of the same. So um, among those guys, like those, I think Josh Proctor and seven banks, I, I certainly saw enough out of them um, to, to say that, you know, I, I do have some optimism about what they could do this off season, especially after, you know, you get, you get a chance to develop with Kerry Cummins. We've, we've seen what he's done before. So um, I just think that the options that they have are just so much different than this past season, which it, which it just felt like they just didn't trust any of their younger guys. And part of that was maybe because of the weird off season. Um, they got to learn to trust some of these guys. Now they, they can't find themselves back in this situation because now they're going to have some of those guys like this will be how many years is Ronnie Hickman. Will this be his third year? Third year. I think yep, third, third year. year in the program. Like we just haven't seen really anything from him. I think he was like the number one twenty overall recruit in the country or something like that. Like he was, he was a highly regarded guy who we just haven't seen anything from. So, you know, they have a lot of guys back there. I think that that would be, I think that would be the, if you're looking for, for encouraging signs, I think that just the amount of options they have back there should should encourage people because like how do you screw it up when you have when you have I don't know 15 different top 300 guys back there like you you would imagine you have to find some sort of answers if you have an entire offseason with Kerry Combs right like I don't think this is too much to ask for I mean again this is why Kerry Combs is getting paid 1.4 million dollars he he has to find the answers it, it's his job to find the answers. If he doesn't, then most likely Ohio state will have a new defensive coordinator in 2022 because his job is to first and foremost, to have an elite secondary and then secondly, to have an elite defense. And so uh, he went over two of that in year one. I think uh, this year, certainly the expectation is that he gets to two for two. Yeah. He's uh, you know, he's going to be the number one <laughs> assistant coach that everybody asks about for the next eight months. And uh, 
we'll get to talk to him probably Sometime. once or twice before the season. Yeah. Well, thanks to everyone who submitted questions this week. Thanks to all of you for listening in here as we kind of uh, start diving deep into 2021 and uh, a lot more off season to go. So uh, please feel free to uh, continue submitting your questions. Uh, let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And uh, we'll try to get to all those questions, all those topics over the next seven months. So uh, thanks again for listening in to real pod Wednesdays and we'll talk to you again next week.